You're tuned to Emirates World, and in particular the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature channel, which is where we get to chat to well-known authors scheduled to appear in the 2018 festival in March. When I say well-known, they don't come much better known than my next guest, novelist Kate Moss. Welcome to Emirates, Kate, and I don't know whether you recall it, but I think you were one of the very first authors to be interviewed for this programme right back in the early days of the Lit Fest. Do you remember those I, early days? The early days, yes. It's it's a wonderful thing when you have been to a festival at the beginning and then, for me, have gone back several times. And now suddenly here we are celebrating the 10th. And it is an exceptional and rare festival because it has so much goodwill, so much excitement and so many other wonderful authors. So I'm looking forward to hearing all the other people you're interviewing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they'll all be on this flight. (laughs) Excellent. You must get invited to so many literary festivals. I mean, there are a dime a dozen. How do you choose which to say yes to and which to pass? When you start out, of course, you say yes to everything because you are so thrilled. It's a wonderful thing to be able to swan about the place saying yes I'm an author you know because nobody starts writing thinking the luck will happen to them really that's not what any of us does we just are writing away and you hope your mum's going to read it but nobody much else Um, but after a while of course the, the the problem with lots of literary festivals particularly for those of us who either have children or like me have caring responsibilities for the next generation up is that if you're always going to talk about writing you can't write you have no time left but for me This festival is really exceptional for two reasons. Firstly, because you are there for a long enough time and very generously our husbands and wives and sons and daughters and friends are allowed to come too. So firstly, I have made at the Emirates Festival lifelong friends. And usually in a literary festival, you arrive, you do your bit and you leave. Um, So that's the first thing. And it is a wonderful experience because when you run into a bit of trouble with your own book, you've got some other friends to ring up and they know exactly what you're going through. So I've made some huge friendships because of coming over these several, several years. But also there are writers genuinely from all over the world, from completely different cultures, from completely different traditions of storytelling and for me in particular I really uh, relish the opportunity to write women writing from other parts of the world and again with most festivals you aren't there long enough to be able to form those friendships and to learn from other people as well as listen to other people so it's when I was asked if I'd come back for the 10th it was as they say a no-brainer it's definitely one of my favorite festivals in the world and are you a big fan of Dubai? Well, yes, I'm... <laughs> Sorry, that's a leading question, isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> I should rephrase that. What do you think about Dubai? Well, the, what has been very interesting, the very first time we came, my husband, uh, who is a playwright, and he does a lot of work for the educational programme for the festival, and also has um, is an Arabic speaker, and so sometimes does uh, the poetry in English and Arabic, and he, he particularly enjoys that side of things. We brought our children, because you, you get a plus one, and we were two. And it's therefore meant that, oddly, it has become a place where now our children are grown up. When we sneak away with our grown-up people between my son is an actor and my daughter is an artist, and they're often not free at the same time, but when they are, I'm afraid we now tend to sneak away. And I hate to say it, but we go to the palm. <laughs> Why do you hate to say it? The palm's wonderful. <laughs> you know, and having discovered where we like to be, we go back. <laughs> so, yeah, and that actually exactly is that. It, it became a place where we thought of as just us four. Um, and because we have a multi-generational household and 
three or four different levels and also nephews and nieces living and all the rest of it, for the four of us to be on our own was a, was was quite rare. So Dubai has is our kind of family holiday place. <laughs> Just looking ahead to the 2018 festival, it is the, the 10th anniversary festival, uh, what have they arm-twisted you to do? <laughs> or to, what are you lined up to do? Well, I am just in the throes of finishing the first novel in a new big series of historical fiction called The Burning Chambers. However, that is not actually out until May, Ah, (laughs) which means I miss the festival um, from that point of view, although I will be giving a few teasers about it because it's such a wonderful audience um, at the Emirates Festival that, you know, I, 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 I feel I can trust them. They won't tell a soul, I know. Um, But actually what I'm doing uh, this time is I'm really honoured to have been asked to give a keynote speech. And I'm uh, speaking about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein uh, because it's the bicentenary. You know, a 20-year-old young woman in 1818 published a novel uh, anonymously. Um, Her name didn't appear on the title page until the next edition in 1822. And it is still one of the works of great genius, I would say. Not just as a Gothic novel, and it was part of that great Gothic tradition with Walpole and Radcliffe and Bram Stoker and all the way up to the present day with people like Sarah Waters and Nell Gaiman and me. You know, I write a bit of Gothic fiction myself. Taxidermist Daughter is a little uh, debt to Mary Shelley. Um, But the thing that's most extraordinary about Frankenstein is that it is one of those novels that everybody knows. It is in a public consciousness. And for everybody, when you ask them what it's about, why it matters to them, they'll say something different. So is it a book about science? Is it a book about playing God? Is it a book, as the subtitle says, about Prometheus, a modern-day Prometheus? Is it about light and shade? Is it about retribution? Is it about mortality? You know, whenever you ask somebody, they will tell you something different about why it matters. So I'm going to be giving a talk about Frankenstein, about its context within Gothic fiction, why it still sends the shiver down our spine today, 200 years later. What's your take on it? I think it's about love and what happens when love is withheld. Because in fact, monster or creature, and you know, Frankenstein, of course, is the doctor, he's the scientist. He wants to be loved and he believes he can be. And it is only when he realises that's not for him that he decides that what could have been love will be rage instead. And I think that that is a very, very powerful story. And when you read the book and you reread the book and you go back, you do love all the Gothic elements, you know, the rain and the ice and storms and all of that sort of things. But in the end, it's the heartbreaking nature of his complete bewilderment when he realises that what everybody else can have isn't going to come to him. And so for me, yes, it's about what happens if you withheld love. Are you a fan of all the many Frankenstein films as well as the books or just the book? Um, I Again, I think what is exceptional, I think most of us, not most of us, but many of us who are writers, and I'm sure many, many of the readers listening to this, you know, we all get a bit, you know, snobby about, oh, no, the book, the book is much better. We don't really like the film or the stage or whatever. Um, but I think there is an essence of really great storytelling, which means that you can take it from its original medium, in this case, obviously, a novel published in 1818, And you can turn it into an opera. You can adapt it. It can be on the stage. You can have other pieces of work that are inspired by it. Um, And, and, you know, as the great Brian Aldiss, who was one of the very first guests at the Emirates Festival and who sadly has just recently passed away, he said, you know, this is probably the first great work of science fiction. And most of the stage and 
film adaptations have that science fiction element to them. But I'm lucky enough to be um, on the board of the National Theatre in London. And we did two, through, two or three years ago an adaptation of Frankenstein where we had Frankenstein and Creature played on alternate nights by the same actors swapping roles. And that again, you suddenly think, you see it all again. So, you know, I'm a fan and I will have in my talk a few clips. I'm going to have a bit of a PowerPoint, you know. I'm hoping someone will help me work it. That's the key thing. Now, let's turn back to your own uh, novel, your, your new novel that you're working on now, The Burning Chambers. You said, and no one's listening, by the way. Absolutely, Excellent. Absolutely nobody. <laughs> so you can tell me in complete confidence, complete confidence. about, uh, about the, the plot and what it entails. <laughs> well, I, I, I will keep most of it under my hat for now, and I will, but I certainly will share some of it with the audiences live in the room, as it were. Um, but the thing that I can say is that it is the beginning of a long series, uh, which starts in 1562 in the southwest of France and the action goes through Carcassonne and Toulouse and then to a place called Privert which is one of the old so-called Cathar castles in the in the Pyrenees and then book two is in Amsterdam and book three is in South Africa in Franschhoek um, and so it is a big Romeo and Juliet story of two families one Huguenot and one Catholic Wow, I can't wait. When, <laughs> and the first one is coming the out in The first one is coming out um, sort of worldwide in May 2018. It's how, very long. It's why it took exciting. me so long to write it. It is finished now, is it? The oh, first one? yes. Yes, it's finished. I'm not, I wouldn't be allowed out if it wasn't finished. No, no, it, 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 it is finished. It is finished now. But um, So why does it take so long? You've, we're recording this in September. And uh, it's coming out in May. Yes. That's uh, quite, a, quite a long time. It's because um, one of the things that's happened uh, for me, because I've been very lucky and I, I'm terribly grateful to this, is that the more you publish, the more all of your foreign editions get out of sync. And it becomes quite difficult uh, when you're going on tour. You know, The Taxidermist da Daughter, which is my gothic thriller, um, that is only just matter of weeks ago come out in Greece but I wrote that in 2013 so I get lots of questions about it from Greek readers which is terrific but but I've written another book since then and a couple of plays so what I wanted this time was there to be time for my poor very hard-working translators all over the world and published in 38 languages to have time to translate the book so all of the editions could come out at the same time and that of course means the UK and uh, the US and Australia and Canada and India the English language editions they oh. just need to be held for a bit so that everybody else can get their dictionaries out so all these translators get to read it before anybody else oh yes <laughs> <laughs> almost worth being a translator ah well there we are you yeah. see learn your languages at school sir <laughs> now you mentioned there Carcassonne which uh, in, in in southwest of France I mean the, the the local tourist board must have died and gone to heaven thanks to Kate Moss <laughs> well, what, well. What, what's, what's it with Carcassonne <laughs> well the reason it, it I, I actually always feel embarrassed uh, answering this question in a funny sort of way because, again, this is one of those pieces of extraordinary luck that you, you, you can't make come your way. And it came my way because my wonderful uh, mother-in-law, Granny Rosie, known to all and sundry, uh, worldwide as Granny Rosie, she retired from teaching and she had worked in a school for mentally and physically disabled children for a very long time in Sussex and had a small lump sum pension when she finished. And she wanted to help us buy a little place in 
France. And France, because my husband had lived in Paris for a long time and it was a translator and is, you know, all of this. So she had an affection for there. And she had a friend who had a friend who had a friend who was an estate agent in Emsworth. And this person uh, was twinned with an estate agent in Carcassonne. Oh. That's the only reason we were there. Yeah. And as I've often said, you know, and I could say this as, you know, Sussex born and bred. My dad grew up in Bogner. said, you can you imagine if she'd been twinned with an estate agent in Bogner? What would I have written? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas actually, you know, I arrived in Carcassonne and the second I got off the train, I just had that shiver down my spine and thought, oh, I see. I belong here. And it was this enormous physical feeling. And actually, my hometown is Chichester in West Sussex. And Carcassonne and Chichester have much in common in, in some ways. They are old-walled cities. Obviously, Carcassonne is intact um, and is actually bigger than Chichester, but very similar sort of thing. So they, they live both in the shadow and in the sunlight of the past. So history is everywhere. It's the capital of the district. And I think there was also that. And little by little, I started to brush up my French and learn the history of the Cathars and then, of course, started to write about it in my novels Labyrinth, Sepulchre and Citadel. Now with the new series, starting with The Burning Chambers, it was discovering that Carcassonne was a city in the wars of religion in France, that the medieval city on the town came out for the Catholics and the modern city came out for the Huguenots and they were at siege and war with each other for two years. And then I discovered that in Toulouse, in 1562, 10 years before the famous St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, there was a massacre where nearly 4,000 people died in the space of a matter of days. So for me, history is about listening to the echoes and the stories. And then you suddenly start to realise that you're hearing your own characters whispering. And then you have made-up people that live against the backdrop of the real history. So just luck in the first place, but it was start of a love affair that has really, after nearly 30 years, never gone away. <laughs> have, they, have they offered you Freeman of the City yet? <laughs> I'm sure that would be very compromising. <laughs> no, they're very lovely. When we were filming uh, Ridley Scott's um, adaptation of Labyrinth, um, the film, we did film in Carcassonne, and it was absolutely charming because everybody turned out, um, the mayor and all the, you know, and just to be part of it. And it's a very, very funny thing for, for, for me to look around and all the extras in the city and the cafes and driving the bus, they're all people that we know. You know, the postman is in it and the guy that owns the cafe and all of the rest of it. And at the very end, I am the tour guide. Uh, I get my, you know, Peter Jackson moment, my Alfred Hitchcock moment right at the end of the film. And I'm talking a little bit about, you know, the Cathars and in 1209 to a sea of blank faces because I'm speaking in English and it's the local French crowd <laughs> wondering what is she actually saying gabbling away so um no they're ve they're very supportive and they're very uh, they're very kind to me Carcassonne. and your book the taxidermist daughter is that likely to appear on the stage or screen soon well as it happens <laughs> I am working on an adaptation for both stage and and screen of the taxidermist daughter it's early days but by the time I'm out with you in March I hope to be able to have a little bit more information about that I'm adapting it with my husband Greg Moss who is a playwright it's a very interesting experience adapting your own work because of course everything you've put in the book you think belongs there but the minute you're writing for stage or screen 
an enormous amount of what I do as a novelist, which is description and it's inside people's heads and it's how they feel. That's not my job. It's the director's job. It's the actor's job. It's the lighting designer's job. It's the soundscape person's job. So it's very odd. You know, my latest novel is about 180,000 words. A play is about... 25,000 words and a screenplay about 12. So you can imagine I'm sort of feeling very stressed by this at the moment. All that wonderful prose that you wrote. All that cutting, yes. Yes. In the bin, in in the the bin. bin, In the bin with all of it. It's just why most novelists don't even attempt to try and do a screenplay, but they hand it over to somebody who's a, a specialist and perhaps can view it more objectively. Exactly so. And I think that there are, there are some people who are both, um, expert at screenwriting and writing for, for, for stage and television, Anthony Horowitz, David Nichols, Jojo Moyes, and then other people who, like me, struggle with that. I love theatre. Theatre is my other great love. So that is, I'm enjoying that enormously, but I definitely will hand the screenplay over to somebody else who has the language of film. And I don't feel I have that so much, but I, I know my way around it. <laughs> and as and when it does appear on our screen, is it going to be filmed in the location in which the book is set? The novel is set in 1911 in my beloved hometown of Chichester and Fishbourne, the village nearby where I grew up. And it is, you know, one of the reviews, uh, like very nicely, they meant this as a compliment, uh, described it as a cross between Psycho meets Mill on the Floss. <laughs> oh, um, and that is actually exactly what was intended, hence the Mary Shelley link and the gothic fiction. Is that like, the one, working title? Uh, yes, it, wouldn't that be good? Yes. <laughs> I, th- I think we'd get them in with that. I think that we really would. Um, and obviously it, it's a tricky thing, um, this, because sometimes, of course, you can create the landscape that feels true artificially better than you can when you're there. But I certainly would hope that the marshes in Fishbourne, where I grew up and spent a lot of time walking as a child and with my parents and then as a teenager, rather mournfully, hoping somebody would notice how you know, tragic I looked. And there was nobody there ever except for a few swans and a, an oyster catcher. And, um, and then with my own children and now with my dog, you know, it's a landscape that is very beloved and important to me. And so I would, of course, hope that we could just get a little bit of the a few rushes of the actual rushes, shall we say. Um, but as you know, with all of these things, funnily enough, with Labyrinth, we filmed some in Carcassonne and Montségur, but mostly we filmed in South Africa um, because the landscape, of the, the landscape of the Cape is very similar to Languedoc in some ways. Um, there is the sea and the mountains, very, very fast and hot winds, very bright sky. Um, And indeed, that's where the inspiration from the Burning Chambers came from. When I was out in South Africa, as I was driving to the place called Franschuk, I noticed there was a sign at the side of the road that said Longadoc. And I thought, this is interesting. And that, of course, is how all these things happen. So we filmed a lot of Labyrinth out there, and you never know with these things. But I'm delighted to say this will not be my problem. I will just sit, and of course, if we film somewhere else... That would be fun to visit. If we're in Fishbourne, I can just nip on my bike. <laughs> Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always, talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I've really enjoyed the interview. I hope our listeners, our passengers on this Emirates flight uh, have done so also. And we look forward to seeing you in Dubai in March for the uh, Festival of Literature. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.